Welcome into the bad fan. Today's bad fans, we will dive back into the dumpster fire that is Manchester United with a special guest. The dramatic conclusion between Chelsea and Tottenham at Stamford Bridge that left the football world begging for more and more of our biggest overreactions from Premier League so far. So your journey with the bad fan begins now. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and I'm glad you have tuned in with us. And I'm joined today by my fellow footsie-loving friends, Brandon Pacenick and Stephen Curl, and our special guest today, Jacob Curian. Fellas, what is up? Welcome in. How are we doing today, guys? Doing well. Um, the weather here in Columbus is absolutely amazing. It's like high of 80, maybe. And it's a little windy. The sun's out. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. And we have a, an amazing guest today. Yeah, we do. Steven, we'll get to you real quick. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. Um, the weather here in Atlanta is interesting. I just got rained on trying to get soft serve at my um, local ice cream shop, Big Softy. Um, so I got drenched in the rain, um, but the ice cream was worth it. So I'm doing pretty good tonight. And Jacob, welcome in the first time on the Bad Fan. You are a part of our Bad Fan Cam, which we appreciate. But you're now on the podcast for the <laughs> yes. first time. How are you feeling? Oh, he's Thank you. Up. Very excited. Uh, not excited about the topic that we'll be discussing, but very excited to be here and honored. So thanks for having me. It is a tough time being a Man U fan. But hey, we love that shirt. Show off that thing a little bit. That looks awesome. Got yeah. the long sleeve, Man U. Yeah, this is a, uh, gotta say, probably a 0304 away kit. A very good friend of mine gifted this to me. Uh, it's just the sweetest gift I've ever received. Hasn't brought me a lot of luck, to be fair. So, yeah, not much to cheer about, especially this season so far. Brandon got the black villa kit on. I love that one so much. It's pretty nice. So, you can't so really clean. see the stripes in there, but it's nice. It does have Jack Grealish on the back. Mm. Um, but he's going to have a good year, hopefully, for him. I don't really care at this point, but yeah. Special kit. Well, as we talked about, are going to do a little Premier League review, and we're going to start off with what was probably the most shocking result of Match Week 2, and that is Brentford and Manchester United. Whew, I mean, if you watched this one, it had to have left you speechless. I mean, the end result was 4-0 in favor of Brentford, which coming into the week, no one would have predicted this one. I think one pundit said that in a pregame thing and literally his co-hosts were laughing at him and he was right and so <laughs> this one started off i would argue on solely on david de gea um he made a mistake that i think he made against tottenham as well in that kind of project restart just a goal that was so easy to make typically for him you know he's a world-class keeper and he just lets this one go through his hands and uh probably makes that mistake what one of a hundred times you guys would say um totally. He, uh, <laughs> he did that in the World Cup against uh, Cristiano Ronaldo oh, yeah. in the last World Cup, but uh, yeah. haven't seen it, yeah, other than maybe that Tottenham game. But, yeah, it's yeah. just so out of character with him. And then the second goal, again, coming from De Gea's feet to Christian Eriksen, uh, putting Eriksen under a lot of pressure, um, him coming back towards his own goal right with a man on his back and just, I don't know, just seemed like a boneheaded mistake. It'd just be so much easier to boot the ball down to midfield and get the ball out of your area when you know your defense is going to be under pressure with that Brentford press. But that went down 2-0. And then, Brandon, what happened after that one? Yeah, the third goal was from a corner. Um, ben Mee scored it. Falling down. Um, is, his, is it Martinez or Alvarez? I, I might have 
Martinez. 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 Sorry, yeah, Martinez. He's a he's a five nine center back, so you can see where the mistake is. <laughs> I just want to go on record. I just want to go on record and saying in the lead up to that corner kick, there was a cross that came in. Literally, uh, whoever it was that was in the box uh, for Brentford stuck his hand out and it hit. They showed the replay three times during the broadcast. It smacked his hand and it was like all the way out here. Commentators didn't say anything. They just watched the replay happen three times with the ball hitting his hand. And then they scored. I mean, it is horrible defense, but that goal should have never happened. That's the last time I'm going to say that. (laughs) It is one of those unfortunate (laughs) things in soccer though, right? Like, it goes off. It's sort of like going off the wrong player and it's getting called a corner when it should be a goal kick. And then they like have now a chance at goal and they score it. And you're like, well, it should have never even happened, but VR can't yes. intervene. It's sort of one of those weird, annoying things that, that soccer does sometimes. But, Jacob, yeah, sadly, yeah. Uh, sadly, uh, what happened on the fourth goal? What happened, Jacob? Oh, that was a, uh, yeah, just, I was saying, sadly, a just terrible, uh, getting caught out and very much an attack. We had about eight guys in the box and then just about as perfect of a counterattack as you can have from these Brentford players. I mean, two passes and they were in terrible uh, effort from Luke Shaw running back. Just absolutely. I mean, he sprinted back and then just stayed behind him the whole time. Kind of stuck a leg in there and yeah, just a great finish. And I mean, a perfectly executed counterattack. Can't ask for anything better than that. Two passes and they were in on goal and, yeah, we uh, just had nothing to stop it. Was it any worse that they were playing in the Mountain Dew kits? Are they ever going to be able to wear those jerseys again? God, I hope they <laughs> never. We could, we could, we could just all make the decision here to burn those. It, it, it was so sad. The Manchester United social media had about eight or nine posts about these new kits with like mm-hmm. all the shoots and everything, and then it was just like. Halftime, 4-0, full-time, 4-0. <laughs> it was just like the most – it was just disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. Hey, you know, at least you'll be able to get it on sale at the end of the season now. That's yeah. Positive for somebody. Maybe might tomorrow. To yeah, I might have to scoop on that. Uh, especially if what happens next, if they terminate Cristiano Ronaldo's contract, might even get a Ronaldo jersey on sale. What do we think about this one, Steven? You think Ronaldo's on his way out after that result? I mean, I'm – he would like to be, he would like to be out of there before the season even started. Um, but I don't know what Ronaldo, I don't know what this rumor really is. I mean, he has a contract. He's going to play. He's got nowhere else to go. Um, I can't really see this happening. Um, I don't think United. I don't think terminating Cristiano Ronaldo's contract is going to help any more than where they already are. I think you have to look at Ronaldo this year as not your primary focus. I think everybody's been quite clear on the problems at Manchester United. It goes beyond the current player personnel. It goes beyond this squad right now. It's higher up. It's long-term. They need to focus on building blocks. And at the end of the day, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to put people in the seats. Um, I'm sure the fan bases might be a little bit divided on him, but I don't think Manchester United's biggest problem is Cristiano Ronaldo. He might be the biggest personality on the club right now, and everybody's looking at him, but I, it should be diverted elsewhere across the pond, the United States, the Glazer family, um, the appointments of sporting directors that they should be making, scouting, and um, presidents of the club. So 
I don't know. This Ronaldo business, sure. I mean, you could terminate his contract. Cool. I think if he stays or if he goes is no difference to Manchester United because they're going to be horrible either way. Yeah. Jacob, what do you make of the Ronaldo situation? Yeah, it's uh, obviously disappointing to have like a club legend who is just unhappy. And, um, you know, every Manchester United fan loves Cristiano Ronaldo and just everything that he's done for the club. And so it's really, really terrible to see like just someone who's so unhappy and who tried everything he could do to get out. Um, But at the same time, it's kind of, he's still very competitive. He still believes he's just as good as he used to be. And so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He wants to play in the Champions League. He wants to be at a competitive club. And I think he knows, um, I think he's seen the writing on the wall. It's just kind of, I wish, you know, it would. it's more of like a motivating, like, no, I'm going to stick around and, like, help fix things and not like a, oh, no, let me get out of here. So it's really disappointing. Um, I'm glad he stuck around because there's no one else on the team that I at all expect or trust to score goals. Um, and so, I mean, if we can get some <laughs> forward service, maybe we'll see a couple of those, but we'll see if that's even possible. And another quick note on Cristiano Ronaldo is I think that he would be, I mean, we have to know that there's another transfer window in January. Um, this I think one's not closed yet either. He was just relinked with Atletico Madrid today. I know you said earlier, it's not ever going to happen. They're, the Galactico said that, not me. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm thinking of Cristiano Ronaldo, a way to ride off into the sunset and maybe even collect six Champions League could be a January move. Um, you sit down with the Manchester United board. You say, listen, I'll stay at this dumpster fire. I'll score 15 goals. It's in his best interest. Injuries happen throughout other leagues in Europe. Maybe he gets bought in January or gone on for free. Who knows? Um, after United just gets some some goals or stability up front from him. I don't know. The January move also can't be ruled out as well. So it's definitely not a hundred percent, I think, staying the entire season or leaving this window. But that's a good point mm-hmm. though about Atletico. They have resurfaced back to the news again. Brandon, what are the other rumors right now swirling around menu? Um on a possible replacement or someone to come in with <laughs> Ronaldo? Yeah, so I don't know if this is like in talks, like if there's a sort of swap plus cash or what is going on with this. Mateus Cunha, I think is maybe how you pronounce it. He's Brazilian, twenty-three years old. From Atletico Madrid, striker, and the rumored price is forty-two million pounds. Um, last year he had seven goals, six assists, six assists. Excuse me. The year before for Ertha, Ertha Berlin in the Bundesliga, he had eight goals, seven assists. If you can get a young guy who's hungry, that's that's a great signing. However, forty-two million pounds. You're going to take that much of a risk. You might as well just go sign like a, a guy from the championship or Ivan Tony, or, you know, sign someone who's been, who's here already or, you know, knows the league. I don't know. I, I don't see where this necessarily helps man. You, I could definitely be totally wrong. Um, could be, you know, one of those wonder signings. You're like, Oh my God, where'd this kid come out? come from but I, I i don't know much about about that one fair enough and steven you mentioned this one the other day um jamie vardy potentially being a player for them what might that look like 
Yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world, um, I mean, Leicester City isn't signing anybody. And I think they're definitely shedding off a lot of weight right now at their club. Um, only linked, I feel like, with transferring players out. So Vardy could be a fit. Mentioned it last week. Um, would probably leave, get him off the wage books at Leicester. He's paid some really high wages. Could be a cheap move for United. Proven goal scorer, English. Um, could be a cool PR move. Um, something that you could have for this year and next. This would be assuming a Cristiano Ronaldo transfer out of the club um, if this were to take place. But yeah, I mean, it's the English striker that's done nothing in the Premier League but score goals. Um, and he's kind of had his day in the sun. He's won the Premier League and gets to play for still. I mean, Manchester United's one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, I don't know Vardy's relationship with United, maybe as a fan or not. I don't know. But um, he's Leicester through and through, so it feels kind of weird to see him um, if he were to move to Manchester. Uh, but yeah, uh, this move picked up some momentum a little bit with Sky and the Sun reporting a little bit on it. But honestly, at this point with Manchester United Press, one day it's Chicharito, one day it's Arnautovic. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll play with them. I scored two goals this year. <laughs> you do never know. Uh, Jacob, I'll point this one to you. Um, is there anyone that Manchester United had been linked with? It doesn't have to be a striker necessarily that would make you excited or intrigued to help make your team better? Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the word close to a deal with like Rabio in my head. It's, you know, another mid tier uh, midfielder. I mean, I'm, I'm all about having more options in the midfield just because of how terrible it is right now. But I mean, I don't think that's going to move the needle much. Um, the most interesting one I saw uh, was Serginho Dest at right back. And strictly from the fact that he's like an American and it'd just be fun to have someone to root for. I mean, I, I mean, I root for team, but it'd just be really fun to see um, a really talented American on the team. Um, and just, you know, again, for, for our World Cup uh, chances, you know, we got to get some more guys, some more playing time in some top leagues. So I'd love to see Serginho Test come over. I also think he's a very talented right back, very attack minded. Um, and I've just been pretty disgusted with the play of the low that I have seen. And obviously Aaron Juan Misaka apparently isn't going to cut it for Eric Ten Hag. So um, interestingly enough, I saw that um, uh, Xavi Hernandez uh, at Barcelona had a short list for right backs he wanted to get, and both Delo and Aaron Juan Bissaka were on it. Huh. And that made no sense to me whatsoever, but apparently there's some mutual like, hey, let's, let's swap some guys mm. because um, I think they're ready to move on from Dest, and we're clearly ready to move on from Juan Bissaka and Delo. That's, that's a strange situation. I don't do you guys, do any of you three have any insight on why the spider Wambasaka is out of favor just because of performances or just like Ten Hag just doesn't prefer him? Do we really know much about that? Uh, if I had to guess, it's because he can't play the ball with his feet. <laughs> He's, he can only <laughs> tackle. Um, does, does Ten Hag play a back three? Do you know, or is he, is he back four? He, I mean, he's been playing a back four. There have been times, just from the research I saw, there where he'll play a back three and then kind of have a wing back, kind of drift back into a four and then kind of go up with the attack. But for the most part, um, we've just been lining up in a back four. I, I was going to say, because he seems like he'd be a really good right center back in a back, th you know, a back three. Um, but yeah, the fact that he can't 
cross pass um any of that probably points to a lot of reasons why he's he's out of favor i guess i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like that long ago i feel like people were singing his praises maybe i'm wrong or mistaken but i just feel like he was there not that long ago i remember tyler arnold uh screaming downstairs when we were watching premier league saying the human spider uh first of all just jazzed about basaka being at united but it feels like he's yeah no longer the human spider. Yeah, that's disappointing. Well, uh, Jacob, again, you're the man you guy here. We're trying to get the most we can out of you. If you could have had a perfect transfer window, what would that have looked like for you? Okay, perfect. Uh, this is going to be obviously, you know, outside of the realm of possibility. But um, just this is just people we were linked to uh, that I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe there's a shot this summer. Um, but I mean, essentially strengthening every single position, but, uh, <laughs> easy <laughs> just to keep it, just to keep it short. I mean, a new striker would have been perfect. Uh, obviously someone with the quality level of like a Darwin Nunez or Erling Holland. Uh, I'll use a specific example of Harry Kane. We were very much linked to him and have been linked to him. Uh, and it would have been amazing to bring that kind of a player, uh, to come score some goals with Ronaldo uh, up top. Um, and then in the midfield, Declan Rice. We've been linked with him forever. Uh, Declan Rice out of West Ham, and he's a phenomenal central de- defensive midfielder that we clearly could use because the McFred combination <laughs> will never, ever, ever work. Uh, and he's just a high-quality, really talented player who loves to get stuck in and loves to distribute the ball. And uh, I think I really like his attitude too. He usually just he flies into tackles and he doesn't really ever give up on a play. And so, anyways, that's the exact kind of player we need on the team. Um, and so it would have been great to have him. And then essentially, like there were a million center backs on the move. Uh, I feel like Chelsea completely like flopped out. Uh, there were plenty of center backs available on the market. They just none of them wanted to come here and. We'll see how Martinez turns out, but I mean, I would have loved to have a more established um, center back that just kind of at the elite level, um, whether that's like a Koulibaly or whether that's um, who left Chelsea. Uh, sorry, Rudiger. Rudiger. To, yeah, Rudiger. Like any of those guys, um, just that were very proven uh, at the high level. Uh, Delit would have been. Yeah, Delit would have been. <laughs> Delit would have been a good signing. I don't understand why he didn't come to Premier League. I feel like he'd be a good fit to have in England. But I, um, I mean, yeah, I think the Bayern move is really easy. You get paid a lot, and you're guaranteed to win your league and play yeah. in the Champions League. So, I mean, yeah. anyways, yeah. I, I, yeah, again, he would have been amazing. Um, just any elite center back, but again, yeah. every position. <laughs> and that's the thing too. We talked about this the other day on our episode, and it's just like we keep reiterating the fact that everything needs to be changed up. Like there just, there is, there's almost nothing that feels safe or feels like it's elite. You know, maybe David De Gea, but he just showed his flaws this past week. And so it's just like, what is worth keeping here? It's like, you just spent, I don't know, was it 80 million on Sancho last season? Um, We keep talking about Rashford's value. We keep talking about just, so many wasted talents and it's just, I don't know, Man U is not in a good place. Um, and so if you're looking towards next week, you have a huge matchup against a Liverpool team that 
has actually struggled so far this season, but it's like, do you continue to put out that same team that Ten Hag is doing, or do you mix things up and put in some youngsters against Liverpool? Like, what does this team need to even stand a chance against Liverpool coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, watch the Liverpool match today. Uh, Crystal Palace had a really, really great plan. Um, I think they had five in the back. I think they played like a 5-3-2 or 5-2-3 and defended, sucked in all the pressure, all the possession that Liverpool had and then struck on the counterattack, which was a really great, uh, a really great strategy. And it, they almost got the three points. Arguably when Liverpool went down to 10 men, they clearly should have tried to attack more, but um, anyways, they came out with a point, but um, who I would love to see on the field is just anyone who has shown a, like a shred of having any sort of pride to play for the club. Cause at this point, the 11 that we have out there might be on paper. Like what we have is the most talented 11 that we can put out there, but clearly no one's heart is in when you watch this play. I mean, what was it? Brentford ran outran the team by like eight and a half miles or something like the work yeah. rate of those Brentford players was, was amazing to watch. It was, it was every single pass. There was someone on someone's back, every single shot, every single cross in the box had a foot like deflecting it. Everyone was doing exactly what they needed to do. Like the whole 90 minutes, like no one, no one stopped. No one took a break. And you could just tell as soon as we let in that first goal, the game was over. I knew we were going to lose. I knew we weren't going to come back. I mean, it's kind of that mentality of if we let in a goal, quickly which has happened in every game of the last maybe eight or nine games going back to last season we're we're guaranteed to hang our heads pout and and not put in a good shift and so specifically though i mean we're gonna have to start the same top three we're gonna have to start ronaldo up there we're gonna have to throw sancho out there and uh we're gonna have to start rashford uh just because we need the speed on the counter attack and so having Sancho and Rashford out there are going to be perfect to do that. Um, and then in the midfield, we're going to have to keep Bruno and Christian Eriksen. And then, I mean, I would love to see some youngster play like a James Garner. I know we're uh, apparently we've made the decision that we're going to move on from him and try to sell him. But uh, if anything, maybe just put him out there to get his talents shown a little bit to generate some interest in getting him sold. But I mean, he had a phenomenal season last year in the championship. He's academy product. He loves the club. I mean, if anyone's going to get in and get stuck in on some challenges, like it's, that's going to be the guy um, in central midfield. And then in defense, uh, I, I am so sorry, but there's not a single game more that I want Harry Maguire starting on this team. <laughs> this guy, this, especially when we're playing Liverpool, like I get he's the captain and I'm pretty sure there's no other reason that he is continued to start other than that Ten Hog is being like forced to play him just for PR purposes of like, this is a guy who spent 85 million, most extensive center back ever captain of the club. You have to start him. Not, not in my book. Like I, I, and I, I think that might be outside of his control. Um, unfortunately, but, um, I would love to see a, uh, Veron and I mean, we're going to have to play Martinez, um, there's no one else that I could – I mean, I don't want to put Bailly back there. I don't know if he's ready to go. Uh, he also does not have the passing abilities uh, that Martinez has. Uh, but uh, speaking of Spider, I would love to bring him back uh, just specifically for his defensive prowess. 
So even if it does turn out that we're throwing in three center backs because Wambasaka doesn't do anything going forward, that's great for me. Uh, I would love to have him locking down the right side of the field and then at left back, uh, Malasia. I, I cannot stand to see Luke Shaw playing anymore until he gets his gets his stuff together. Lays <laughs> off the lays off the McDouble McDouble. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> apparently the fastest guy on the team and couldn't catch up on the counterattack. Anyways, I have a I have an impromptu question for Jacob if that's okay. Oh, of course. Oh my god, here we go. So yeah, so just looking back on here, I was seeing Manchester United back in 2018, 2019 finished sixth, right? Behind Arsenal. And they ended up the next season going on to finish third in the 2019-2020 season. And then kind of since then have kind of been in that top four conversation. So just with them finishing sixth last year, is this a just because you're mentioning playing Gardner, trying to get are we like completely riding off? Because United has kind of like hovered around mediocrity over the past like six, seven years. years. It's almost a decade at this point. But you think about though, 10 years, like this is a team that started off last season, whether it was, you know, silly or not or whatever. People talked about potential title contenders, but the signing Cristiano Ronaldo, like this is a team that's finished second multiple times, made the champions, like European football hasn't been their strong suit whatsoever over the past 10 years, like for sure. But domestically, when we're talking about the Premier League, is it the high standard of United that anything but, like, this is a team that's finished second twice within the past, like, five years. And it's a team in free fall. Like, that 2018-2019 season, they finished sixth, but then went on to finish third the next year. Is it, are we completely riding off champions? Because I feel like United has enough money, enough branding, and a bi- it is a big enough club to kind of teeter... Is this like a, a full teardown, you think? Or is it kind of shedding some weight? I mean, we got rid of eight players off of United this past summer, right? And so yeah. I'm just kind of curious, expectation-wise, this is a team that's kind of hovered around that mediocrity part that we've talked about over the past 10 years. Like, almost everybody that watches Premier League football would say that. But they've also finished second a few times and had some fun Champions League runs. I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Then knocking out PSG. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how far removed... Like how when we talk about mediocrity, like beyond that blanket statement, Jacob, where are you at as far as a United fan yourself with expectations for this club this year? Yeah, so I mean, I think even just from, I mean, from my preseason video too of like we are one of the biggest clubs in the world. We should always have the expectation of finishing at least playing Champions League football. We should always be challenging for titles. Clearly, realistically, we were not anywhere close to challenging for a title. Uh, this season and I knew that coming in and so that I mean my expectations wasn't for that at all but it was to get in uh, and play some more Champions League because we're not going to be able to make unfortunately the name recognition and the size of club is not drawing in the talent that it used to and part of that has been because we have not consistently been playing in the Champions League everyone loves playing in the Champions League Um, and I get it I mean I understand why you wouldn't want to come play for a club that's playing in the Europa League or maybe the Europa Conference League. Um, Honestly, I I think it would be better for us to finish outside of all of those and just not even have that to worry about Um, because I think players would rather not play in any of those international competitions than miss out on the Champions League. So um, all that to say, I think uh, it is – I think the state of Manchester United has been uh, that of like a watermelon – 
in that every single year, um, you know, the Glazers, the money gets spent, players get bought, people get sold, and, you know, it's all green. Preseason, we win some preseason games. Oh, like, we bring in some new managers. Like, everything's going to be fine. It's green on the outside. Like, we're going to have a great season. There's all this excitement. And then if you look at the inside of the Waterman, it's red. It's We're absolutely in, not in the good kind of, like, Manchester red. Like, I'm talking, like, bad red. <laughs> Like it's a like, rotten, like Brentford rotten red, like yeah, like a <laughs> it's rotten, rotten. It's rotten on the inside, and we just have a nice paint job on the outside. And um, I think uh, you can see clearly from the direction we hired Ralph Ragnick with the goal of tearing things down, and starting over, implementing a new system, giving him the control to hopefully make some decisions that were going to be helpful. And uh, after barely a year or within a year he, he was gone and we started Off over me to say in exactly <laughs> and uh i think he he get he was very honest he gave his honest opinions about having open heart surgery on the club and i don't think um the people up top love that and it doesn't make any sense to me because exactly what this team and this club need is honesty about how to address the issues that are clearly there in in uh putting out a first team that's actually going to compete. And um, so honestly, it's, it's been really hard to have expectations that are for challenging any titles uh, in the next couple of years, because, because of the squad that we have currently, and it, it feels like the mentality isn't there again, like I said earlier, like it feels like if we give up a goal, there's no chance that we're going to win that game. Whereas even two, three years ago, uh, even last year, it was kind of a given that we were going to concede a goal and then we would come back and win. And so it was kind of like, let's just get it out of the way so we can actually start playing. Because uh, it's kind of what it took to kick these guys in the pants to get them to start playing. But I mean, towards the end of the season, we clearly saw, and then up until now, I think just the toil of the media and the constant pressure and the fans and everyone you know, looking for heads, I think it's very much taken a toll on these guys mental capacity and um some guys just aren't cut out for it and unfortunately yeah we're going to continue to see early letting goals and more losses this season brandon what should menu's expectations be going the rest of the way i i don't know i think they they have to be realistic with themselves like jacob just was um especially their fans I mean, I think they are there now. I think all fans are feeling what Jacob is feeling. I've even talked to my mom, who's a Manchester United fan, and she's she's over it. I told her not to watch the game. She um she was all golfing or something. She she recorded it and went back and watched it and was so upset that she watched it. I tried to warn her. Um, sure. But where does Manchester United go? Realize that that you that that you are a eighth place to. <laughs> 12th place team right now i think as things stand um the level of talent on that team is low in some areas and high in others um and they have not gelled well together at all um i I don't you know i said they would end up fifth this year and i still don't think that's out of any realm of possibility um but it is a scary place when you see a giant that is Manchester United fall and take a punch and keep taking punches. Um, and honestly, I think if Ronaldo leaves, 
that's not a knockout punch, but that is a massive blow. Ronaldo is a goal scorer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Man U has a backup striker. Jacob, do they? So that's, I mean, Anthony Alanga, who can play at the nine, but mainly plays out wide. And I was surprised you actually didn't want to play him this weekend just to try to switch things up. I don't know if he's hurt or not, but like, I, I just don't know what what it's going to take to turn this around. It just it just seems really doom and gloom. And just trying to work things out through my head, like I just they have they have good players, they have okay players, and they have awful players who wouldn't get into Brentford, who wouldn't get into Nottingham Forest probably. And so it's like, how are they playing at Manchester United? Is it because in their contracts, their horrible contracts, that they have to play a certain amount of games or a certain amount of minutes? Because that's probably honestly, honestly, that's probably what a lot of this is. Jacob alluded to it. Harry Maguire has to start every week because he's the captain of England or one of them, and he's the captain of Manchester United. And also, probably in his massive contract, it says he has to play 90% of games. <laughs> so so I feel bad for Ten Hag in a lot of ways. Like I think he's probably handcuffed with, with a lot of these players, um, to be honest. Um, and honestly, probably doesn't have a lot of choice when it comes to, to picking the team. Um into picking transfers even we've heard that in the past with other managers and it's sort of funny to see you know what jose said a couple years ago sort of come to life like sort of like you'll see what happens like and it's it, it's rotten the club is rotten uh manchester united has spent money over the last couple of years but it's been the club's money it hasn't been out of the pockets of any of the owners so that that's okay, right? They're they're big enough where they can do that, but that sum of money is running out, and it it is basically out. I forget what the actual number is, but it's estimated like there's only like twenty million pounds left, um, in this like annual sum or whatever. I don't know exactly how it works, but and and the owners aren't putting any more in, so what they have is what they have, and it, it's based off of like marketing, jersey sale, all, all whatever it is. And so you can see why, like Jacob said earlier, again, they, they sent 100 tweets out about the green jerseys because they want you to buy the jerseys. They sent 100 tweets out about Ronaldo and Harry Maguire and you know whoever else because they need, they need you to click and they need you to buy. But it, the owners themselves aren't really, really worried about what actually is happening. They're really worried about their dividends at the end of the year, right? Like what, what can they take off the top? Um yeah, it's it's tough. If they if they don't start to turn it around by December, they not relegation, but man, they they look they look bad. And if I can ask a question, last last question and we'll and we'll move on sort of quickly cuz I know we've been on this for a while and Jacob's been on the hot seat. But how do you feel about Tin Hog, honestly? Like where do you think he's at? Is he on a hot seat? Um how much time would you give him? Like what? What do you think he needs? Even just his situation. What What do you think about all that? Yeah, um, I just kind of from. I mean, it's been two games, and they've gone about as poorly as possible. Um, and so it's kind of a nightmare start. And so I mean, knee jerk reaction from a lot of people is like, oh, you know, it's it's this guy's fault. And I mean, clearly. I, I don't think there's – I mean, there's obviously a big jump, right, from the Dutch League over to the Premier League. 
Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily like, oh, this guy's just like not ready for the job. He can't game plan a game. Like I think he's a very, very smart, brilliant manager. And I think he has a system that he wants to put in place and he doesn't have the right players to put it in place. And so there's part of me that wants me him to adjust to what he has to make the best of what he can do. Right. Uh, just again, specifically for like a Liverpool game. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, clearly he needs time to get the players, the kind of players that he needs to get rid of the players that he has wants no business with. Um, and so, I mean, that I mean that the same could be said for any of the past five managers that Manchester United have had. We give them a year, or we give them less than that, and we can them when things don't go perfectly, and just we have a, a scapegoat to throw stuff at, so that all the attention is taken away from the owners. Um, and so any of the managers, I mean, even Ole, I mean, he got a year and a half or two, but any of the managers, I mean, need to have at least three or four years. We need some continuity. And I get that we're a club that expects results, but we're not going to get any results with the squad that we have uh, if the manager isn't given time to implement their system to get the people in that they want um, and to build, you know, some trust and some rapport and some respect with the players. Because, you know, you can yell and shout and scream at these guys, uh, but if you don't have their respect or any sort of relationship with them, then they're not going to play for you. And I think that's what we're seeing. Good point. And a quick note on optimism, Fergie's first year at Manchester United, I believe he finished eighth or ninth on the table. And the I think he only had one player from that roster that he inherited on the championship winning um, team that he had for his first time winning the title with Manchester United. So yeah. time is the no, answer. Absolutely. Time is the answer. And that is my hope uh, for this manager is that he's given the time uh and some freedom to get rid of some guys and bring some in so um we can only hope yep 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 time is the answer well i think the uh aside from this game wasn't supposed to be the biggest one but it ended up being because of the result um and you and brentford but i think the one coming into the weekend everyone was looking at chelsea versus tottenham at stanford bridge this mm-hmm. one had all the drama it had fiery spirit from both managers on the sidelines it had Late goals, it had controversy um, through and through. This one finished 2-2. And just want to kind of capture the moment here, the idea that Chelsea's been dominating Tottenham for it feels like three years or so. And last year, I think they beat them four or five times. And so coming in this game, Antonio Conte and his boys from Tottenham had something to prove. And people are, from the Chelsea side, maybe even the neutrals are trying to figure out if Anthony Taylor let this one get out of his control, uh, people upset with both Tottenham goals, you know, talking about was Richarlison interfering with Mendy's line of sight in an offside position when Hoybier scored from outside the box. Did Romero deserve violent conduct for his interaction with Cucurella? Uh, so many things going on in this one. The goal just between Conte and Tuchel is just amazing. I mean, even the follow-up, I don't know if you guys saw Conte's Instagram story. Did you guys see that? The post of him. I yeah. wish I had like been able to trip you or something like that to make it better. <laughs> Essentially, it was like what he said. Um, so this one had almost everything you could ask for. Um, I want to hear from Steven, just your initial reactions of like watching the game, the emotion that you felt, um, is this the result that Tottenham needed or do they need to get the win to help push them through the rest of the season? 
Uh, context is everything, my friend. I think a 2-2 draw I would have definitely been satisfied with going into the weekend. However, the way the 2-2 draw took place, I mean, it's got to feel like a Tottenham win, right? Um, the emotion, the pa- it was a fantastic game for the neutral. Um, don't let the missed calls or any of that uh, fool you. It was just a great game of football. Um, so it's exactly what Tottenham needed. Um, they, they picked up points away on paper. That's what you have to do. If you're going to be competitive and try to make those top four spots in the premier league, um, feel really good after the result. Sure. Chelsea had more possession, more shots, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I mean the goal from Hoyberg, like I was watching it on my phone in a public parking lot and screamed in the car. <laughs> I was, I was so excited. And then I went inside and saw Jacob. At the grocery store. Uh, yeah. um, nice. That's kind of crazy. Um, but no, it's it's exactly <laughs> what you want. It's what you want out of your coach. If you're a Chelsea fan, it's what you want out of your coach as well, Thomas Tuchel. Um, that can't be um, understated as – I mean, that can't go understated either. So um, it's just a fantastic game for the neutral, um, fantastic game for Spurs fans, late winner Harry Kane – that's a good way to get on the score sheet the month of August. Um, Amazing. Like he's struggling in the beginning of the season anymore. So that's good to see. So Tottenham fans should get excited, believe the hype and get your dreams crushed in May. Hey, <laughs> not this year. Uh, Brandon, how about that goal from Kalubali? Did he mean to score like that or just happens chance? Oh no, he definitely meant it. It was gorgeous. You could tell it was, um, it was from the training ground, actually. You could you could definitely tell because Tottenham was set up for a in swinger, I believe. That's why they hugged the near post. Uh, Chelsea put like three. They overloaded the back post or like the back into the box, expecting that ball to come over. It was gorgeous, a gorgeous strike. Um, I actually rewatched the highlights today just to remind myself of how good the game it was, and I I was like, oh my god, that that's definitely that might be the goal of the week. Um, it was it was gorgeous, banger. Death Jacob, taxes you... <laughs> and Tottenham giving up goals on set pieces. Death taxes <laughs> and Chelsea defenders scoring on Tottenham um, is the real thing. Jacob, did you see the incident between Cucurella and Romero? And if you did, what were your thoughts on the hair pulling incident? Yeah, just in uh, the replay, I actually missed most of the game because I was at the store. Uh, with Steven, but, um, yeah, just watched the full replay and, um, I saw some of those and, um, I got a little bit of flack for talking about goals that shouldn't have happened if things were called correctly. So I don't think I have a comment (laughs) on, um, some missed calls, but I will just say it's very interesting to think about. Honestly, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jacob, Jacob went to Mourinho. Wait, I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'll answer as a neutral. First of all, the game was amazing. Um, second of all, um, Chelsea wasted a lot of chances. Third of all, that definitely should have been a red card and the, the last goal shouldn't have gone in. Now, the, the biggest one that, I, that I'm actually on the fence on and, st- and like can't figure out where I stand is the, the first Tottenham goal that Tuchel thought shouldn't have been been allowed because Richarlison was offside. Now, I went back and watched it, like I said, and he is in the way when the ball is struck of Mendy. Mendy's leaning to see around him, and the ball is struck across Kulabalai, 
and Richarlson. So Mendy's on one side trying to see the strike. It does cross the other way, so then he can't react ideally as quickly as he could. But there is also so much space. The ball was hit outside the box. There's so much space between the ball getting struck and the goal. So I think there's enough time for Mendy to react. So I don't know where I sit with that. I I, know, I get why Chelsea fans are really upset. In one day, it's called offside. Um, the, the next day, as it did in this game, it's not. Very, very interesting, though. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't think people are going for Anthony Taylor's head, the referee. Referees let things go sometimes that don't make sense. I don't think he was great on the day, to be fair, but um, I can see why that first one was was allowed. I would. I don't know the rule specifically. I don't know if you guys know. So the ball went off Kalubli's foot. Does that negate Richarlison's offside position if it goes off of his foot into the goal? If he's if he's blocking, no. If he's playing the ball, yes. Okay, so him putting his foot out and it going off the top of his foot does not negate the offside. I don't think so, no. Uh, well, my rule book, it does. <laughs> so, okay, here's my thoughts. Uh, a couple things. One, I, I think Chelsea's second goal also had a moment where it could have had a missed call. I think Klubai didn't win the ball cleanly from Kulisevsky on the sideline. I think he missed the ball and just took out Kulisevsky, and then they went and scored on that one. So, again... I think it goes both ways. If you're going to call things and not call things, I think equally Chelsea had their opportunity with that goal. Um, the whole Cucurella Romero thing, I don't think it's violent conduct. And again, the way it's explained to me, it's like in the rule book, it's not violent conduct. And so it's like, and you can't, you can't bring it back. I don't think unless it is violent conduct. So if it's like a yellow card incident or whatever, they can't bring it back. So therefore it has to stand is how I interpret it. So I think, by the book, they did it right. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. What would you call that conduct then, if not violent? The hair pulling? I also don't think. I think Cabrera's going. It's a foul. No. I think it's a foul. I think the, because that corner they didn't score on, right? And no, so yeah, it was the preceding since, corner. Yeah. And so since they didn't score on that corner, and it's a foul that was missed, like for sure. It's a foul that was missed, but since it didn't lead to a goal-scoring opportunity and it was the next one that was, then you can't go back and VAR that. I mean, sure, that could be an Anthony Taylor missed call. Like, I think it was a foul. I don't think it was violent conduct. I think it's a part of the body. You could look at, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It was one of those orange card sure, situations right? for yeah. me. Or hair, or like arm, or leg, or whatever it is. And it kind of sucks if you have that long hair i don't know so it's all in the eye of the beholder right and so like, all that think... reminds me of is uh in american football uh from i don't know if you ever watched ricky williams play but he had these huge dreads he would get tackled by his dreads all the time that's what it reminded me of but definitely mm. not violent conduct or anything <laughs> i just think i don't know they also I changed really the think... rule in american football <laughs> yeah I also just don't think right. it was as aggressive as it looks. I think Cucurella is practically going like going to the ground anyways, trying to win a foul. I disagree. I think, I think what we talk about with red cards all the time is also intent, which is I don't know how you judge that. Romero is intending to pull him down by his hair. That I think I think it's a red card. 
Is that not just a foul in the box though? Is it like, would that be the same as like an intentional, uh, let's say they're off the cuff too. And then Cucurella pushes. We've seen players violently, like violently shove, like completely and players fall to the ground and get yellows, but never like a straight red for something like that. That's what I, I equated to a very harsh, like two-handed, like shove and whoa, like going down to the ground. I think you see that it never really given a straight red unless it's to the face. It's to the hair. I don't know. It's very, there needs to be a rule change, but I, I personally, I, it's I not know. a soccer play. Let's just say that. And it was For very sure. intentional. What Romero did was to yank him down by his hair. Like, Same thing with like a, a random push, like off the play. If a whistle is blown no, dead or something like that, that aren't, isn't different. a soccer play. Is it a shove? Cause those aren't soccer plays either, but they happen every single week. Yeah. But they're not v- violent necessarily. The intent is, isn't to put someone on the ground to gain an advantage for a for a corner kick. Only violent conduct Malicious. in my head is a is a head. Malicious, into the I chest think, is the word. The Malicious is the word. I I like the physicality of the game. I like that referees are letting things play more. It's definitely a foul. If it's to the book, I don't know what the book says. If it's not a red, then it is what it is. But. Uh, there's a lot of question marks there. That's a slippery slope the way you said it, Steve. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot, If you're going to put things in that bracket, that's a very slippery slope for what is and what's not a foul. So Slugfest, I, baby. Let's go. Sure. <laughs> aside, aside from the fouls and then whatever missed calls, the drama between Conte and Tuchel was something that you had popcorn popping for. I mean, it started with the Chelsea goal. I think it was the Chelsea goal or the Hoybier goal. Um where the I think it was Hoybier scoring that Conte sort of went to the Chelsea bench and tempers flared a bit. They both got shown yellows, and then Tuchel when Chelsea scored the go ahead goal, go two one. Him running down the sideline um, had to have gotten Ridiculous. on Conte's nerves. And so at full time, you had the two guys going for the handshakes, and Conte is ready to walk past Tuchel. Tuchel holds on to him, and you just see everything go wild <laughs> from there. Uh, seemed like some old like Mourinho things that we would see with him or. Wenger, get old-fashioned soccer. It felt like. Um, is this now the rivalry to watch this season between these two managers? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go first. I mean, you look at the battle of the bridge that caused Tottenham the title that year, finishing second. Um, the blood between Chelsea and Tottenham has never been smooth. Um, a part of me feels like. I love the reaction from the coaches. I think it's overreaction from the officials of both managers getting reds. I think, I, I think that's kind of silly, honestly. And both managers at the end of the game had no ill words to really say to each other either. So I think they're both managers that are very animated and that love football. I think, I think both of them, their press conferences were fantastic of just saying, yeah, like we, we like, we like soccer. Like we like the game. We want our team to win. Um, there wasn't any personal insults hurled, I think is what Tuchel had said. So it wasn't personal. It was just it was just good football. And I think the red cards are a shame to see. I don't think they're impeding anything on the game. It wasn't like any punches were thrown. It was coaches it was guys yelling at each other. I look at like a bases clearing benches being clearing brawl in baseball. It's like it's pushing and shoving and you want to see it. But I don't know. Suspensions were a little much. Uh, rivalry to see. Yes, I think we meet up with them in February, and it's going to be spicy. Steve, you want to go? Uh, yeah, I can open a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, 
Go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, I think it is, but I think there is one game, probably the most important game of the year for Tottenham and another team that might be even more intriguing. Jacob, Which do you know is... what I'm talking about? The Got North it. London Derby. <clears throat> Arteta versus Conte, I think, could get very spicy as well, and I'm so, so excited for that game. Oh, my God. So I've never think- seen a crease in Arteta's face. I don't think he can express emotion. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Jacob, who do you have winning in a boxing match, Conte or Tuchel? Definitely Tuchel. I don't know if you, oh. saw, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw that handshake, but talk about violent conduct. <laughs> yeah. That grip. That had a vice grip on Conte. Conte was trying to run. He said, no, thanks. Let me give you a piece of my mind, even though you don't understand German. <laughs> I'm just going to yell at you in broken English, and we're both going to yell at each other in broken English. He's great. <laughs> He's also got that speed. If you saw him sprinting down the sidelines after that second goal, man's elusive. He's quick on his feet. I like him dodge, duck, and weave, and he's obviously he's got that grip strength power. So that's what I'm taking. But I, obviously I it depends on if it's a fair fight or if it's pretty. Mm. Brandon, who would you be more scared of to have yelling at you, the German or the Italian? Conte. I couldn't look Conte in his eyes, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Yeah, I think I think Conte okay, Conte actually like boxed one of his players. Y'all remember that at Enter? Oh, yeah. Like, was they it won. Lukaku or was it uh Lataro or someone? Yeah, yeah, one of them. <clears throat> After they won the uh Syria. So I mean, yeah, Conte has oh, got yeah. the experience. I just saw that video. Yeah. It, Lukaku was like the announcer, but he, I think he boxed Lotura. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got Conte in that one. Yeah. It's going to be awesome to see, um, you know, both London derbies. Um, obviously, we had two legs to play against Arsenal. Um, coming off of last season, you lost, what, 3 0 or 3 1 or 3, whatever it was. You lost at Arsenal last season. You won back at Tottenham Stadium in January or in May. And so, yeah, this season's going to be huge. And both, both London teams coming against Chelsea and Arsenal, they're going to be competing for the same spot. So every point matters. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see what this season brings. Uh, we'll kind of briefly run through some of the other Premier League games. Brandon, your team, Aston Villa, took on Everton, got their first win of the season 2-1. Um, what this one look like for you real quick? And how do they move on from a big injury? Yeah, Villa played pretty well. Not everything's clicking quite yet, um, but obviously a win's a win, and we'll take that. Um, Kamara in the midfield, the young midfielder, holding midfielder, the French, uh, he he's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Best player on the day, best player on the field. We will sell him for $80 million in three years to probably PSG, to be completely honest. Um, he is that good. And he's young, and I'm super excited for him. But Diego Carlos, the signing that I said Villa was going to have a good year, it was going to be because of him, is out for the rest of the year with an Achilles injury. Absolutely tragic. It was towards the end of the game, too. Um, I'm not sure what Villa's going to do to replace Diego Carlos. Um, It's sort of late in the transfer window. You can't really go – you don't want to go splash $30 again on a – on another center back somewhere and who's going to be willing to, to give them, give one up, you know, that's that of that ilk. So 
I'm not really sure. I we have a kid on the bench named Josh Feeney, 17 years old. He's already six four, and he's been in the game day squad since towards the end of last season, I believe. Um, I think we keep him. We already have people with uh, Premier League experience, obviously Tyron Mings um, and Ezri Kansa, both good pairings. They played together for the last two years. Um, I think we can get to January at least with with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we go and try to get somebody in January to try to replace Dio Carlos and hopefully make our team better um, and hopefully be pushing into seventh place. Yeah. Um, and Everton still no points yet this season. Um, they take on Nottingham Forest next to Nottingham Forest got a one nil win over West Ham. Um, Jesse Lingard uh, playing for this team that's hoping to stay up this season. Uh, do we expect much from Nottingham Forest moving forward, boys? Yes. And I'll get get to why in a, in a minute. Cool. Um, I want to hear Jacob's I, take on Nottingham Forest. We'll, we'll get we'll get there in a second. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Brighton, Newcastle, that one ended nil-nil. Nick Pope, I think, kept um, was it Newcastle in that game. Um, so they walked away with a draw on that one. Man City walked all over Bournemouth 4-0. Uh, just, I think it was 3-0 in the first half, so just... No trouble with them at all. Uh, Man City obviously coming out to be early favorites. And then I do want to touch on this one a little bit before we get to some overreactions from the Premier League so far. But Liverpool and Palace, um, Jacob, you mentioned a little bit. You watched this one today as we recorded this, that uh, Liverpool drew 1-1 against Crystal Palace. Uh, Zaha getting the early counterattack goal. And Luis Diaz cutting in for the left side, cutting to the top of the box with a beautifully executed goal to level with Palace. And then obviously the big... Um, red card in like the 70th minute or so and Liverpool holds on to get the draw but um, here's the thing and I want to get on this one it's time for some overreactions is it time to worry about Liverpool are we worried that they can't recover from this slow start to compete for the title race what do you guys think Jacob you go first it sounds like uh, it's going to be us and Liverpool in a relegation battle at the bottom of the table (laughs) (laughs) That's an overreaction. Uh, they, they barely, barely squeaked out the United two fan. against two of the worst clubs uh, in the Premier League. <laughs> Fulham just got promoted, got very lucky to tie it up at 2-2 and save a point. And then Crystal Palace, clearly from just the lack of nuts uh, from the manager, Vieira, to go ahead and try to win the game when you're up a man instead of sitting back and playing scared uh, I think Crystal Palace fully deserved to give up that goal I mean you can't you can't just sit back and try to play defense against 10 men instead of going for the win but um, anyways uh, yeah I think Liverpool has a ton of injuries right now um, it's like their entire midfield pretty much is banged up and uh, they're also missing Kanate and uh, Matip in the back uh, but it is interesting to see, um, even with that front three of uh, Nunez and Sala uh, and Diaz, that uh, they haven't been meshing super well. I don't think uh, – I think it might take a little bit of time for Nunez to get comfortable in the system. And uh, something that was interesting is they looked, I mean, far more dangerous and better when he came off uh, after the red card, <laughs> which is crazy to see uh, that they just needed one last guy on the field. But then it started to look like old Liverpool. All the players were like, oh, yeah, we know how to do this. We don't have to try to feed the ball to our 
brand new summer signing, like they were just pressing, they were winning the ball, they were whipping balls in, everyone was making correct runs. And um, I mean, it took individual brilliance from Diaz to get that goal. But I mean, they had so many chances to get a winner. Um, so I think it's just going to, I mean, they're, they're banged up. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get some guys back, but I mean, maybe this puts them out of the title race just from, I think you're going to see a couple more results like this, to be honest, a couple more draws, um, some drop points. So maybe they're not going to be able to overcome it and challenge city this year. Um, but we'll see. Steven, is it quickly, yes, no, is it too much of an overreaction to say that these two draws take them out of the title race? Uh, nope, not an overreaction. Um, Liverpool fans should be scared. Brandon? Uh, I do agree. You start looking at Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, even Aston Villa has a better midfield <laughs> um, at the moment. Um so I, I don't think you hit the panic button because like I said in, in another episode, Liverpool hit a run where they go unbeaten for the rest of the year. Um, so I will start worrying if Liverpool start losing games and they can't, they can't seem to like be consistent in winning. Um, if they go, if they lose their next game, for example, and then they go and tie the next one, like then, yeah, then they, they're definitely out of the title race. And then, then you start thinking about top four, um with how hungry arsenal is tottenham and chelsea um i I already think man city's won the league but i i I think they liverpool can still recover if that if that's your question yeah um and what would your overreaction be so far from the league me (laughs) i've joked about it but uh manchester united might be in a relegation battle come december (laughs) 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 oh man no, that is an overreaction, but that is an overreaction. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think they are on their way out of Europe, but yeah, not in a relegation battle. Uh, Steven, what's your overreaction from the first two match weeks so far? So on the show, we had somebody uh, that predicted that Leeds is going to get relegated um, in our Premier League um, predictions. I don't know who it was. I think Leeds front four are dangerous. Patrick ah. Bamford. Rodrigo with the brace, not Bamford, Aronson, and you also got Jackie Harrison. Um, that's a front four that's meshing well. Um, no, it was me. I thought Leeds was going to get relegated. My overreaction yeah. after week number two is seems to be working. Uh, it's early, hence the overreaction, but they look good. They look dangerous. Aronson's been flying. Um so and this is a team with Tyler Adams and Rocca, I believe is the other midfielder, holding midfielder's name. Um, it's not just throwing everything, not throwing the kitchen sink at every game like Bielsa was doing. Um, you can see what Jesse Marsh is trying to do, seems to be working. Um, and that's my reaction. I think that they, I, I think that they could be safe. Uh, I mean, that front four again, Aronson, like Jack Harrison, Bamford. Rodrigo scoring two goals this week was my reason for their reaction. I mean, if that's going to happen from their midfield, I mean, I don't know if Liverpool will have a single midfielder with two goals this entire year. It's not going to be Milner. That's facts. (laughs) Jacob, if you could have an overreaction from the season so far, where would you land? Yeah, uh, I think um, just 
straight up from the football that I've seen so far. Um, it looks like both Brighton and Brentford are probably going to finish top four. Um, I think when you're able to take down a quality opponent and dominate from start to finish, it it shows how solid the team is. And I think we're going to see them really pushing, pushing city this year. Hey, you know, coming in with a lot of ego here, Jacob, (laughs) for the first episode on the bad fan coming in real hot, you know, Hey, Honestly, Brighton could challenge for that Europa Conference League if they stay healthy and continue to fly. I'll and give score credit. goals. They need I'll score give credit goals. there. Yeah, I'll give some credit Brentford, there. Brentford, too, man. They they are so <laughs> solid. Everyone knows what they're doing. I've been watching a lot of videos on their whole philosophy and how they kind of got a money ball thing going. And whoever oh, the you Brad Pitt that YouTube is, video from two years ago. <laughs> no, no. Whoever the Brad Pitt is over there, and whoever the Jonah Hill is over there, are <laughs> killing it. And um, again, top four challengers. We'll see. I love it. A um, couple of things as we start to wind down today on the Bad Fan. Some transfer updates. We did mention last episode Barcelona's drama. They were able to settle after pulling that lever. Uh, Kronk pulled it, and they were able to get their signings through for the season. Um, we have Giovanni Lo Celso from Tottenham going back on loan to Villarreal. Um, Nottingham Forest had made some signings. Brandon, you got the deets on that one? I will, because Nottingham Forest, I guess, is my team this year because no one else thinks they're going to stay up but me. They completed their 13th and 14th signing of the summer. Emmanuel Dennis from Watford, which is probably their best signing of the summer so far for uh, about $20 million. Um, and then Sheik, is it Sheik Kuyate? Kuyate? I know, I just know. Kuyate, the defender from Crystal Palace on a free. Um, a veteran center back who's going to... I don't know if sure up your defense is the word, but definitely give you a better presence back there. And they're linked to more. Um, the names of Husim Oar, who was linked with Arsenal last year. Um, you might he, play, he plays for Leon. He's a midfielder. You might know him from some Champions League, amazing FIFA. moments, FIFA. <laughs> um, very, very good player. And I would be shocked, shocked if he went to Nottingham Forest. Um, Bakayoko from AC Milan, another midfielder. And Neil Malpe from Brighton, who I think would be a wonderful, wonderful signing. I watched the Nottingham Forest-West Ham game. Nottingham Forest striker. Came from um, Steve's German team, um, Union Berlin, and is not very good. Uh, (laughs) Looks like a baby deer and doesn't know how to really kick a ball all too well, but is big, strong, and has a little bit of speed. I think Neil Malpe would be a pretty, pretty good signing for them. Um, I have a question for you all. Um, are you any more convinced with these signings and any of these links that they will stay up? And after a win, sorry, will they stay up? Jacob. Yeah, uh, I think after they made two, um, the two best signings that they've made, uh, from the summer, which was bringing in Jesse Lingard and um, getting Dean Henderson on a loan. That's true. Uh, that it was pretty much guaranteed they were going to stay up. Excellent so, point. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, 
just I'm sorry, I'm just getting really jealous looking at the the words thirteen and fourteenth signing of the summer. <laughs> it's, just, it's just really turning the knife a little bit right now. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. Um but no, it's it's exciting to see that they're being successful and um yeah, more power to them. Uh yeah, that striker that you're making fun of had a beautifully expertly finished goal which put West Ham away. Uh that was a deflection off his knee. But honestly, <laughs> looking at Dean Henderson being the goalkeeper for Nottingham, like that's going to be huge. We saw what he did for Sheffield. Um this is a guy that I'm sure a lot of United fans wouldn't mind to be starting for their club. So this, I don't know. I mean, clean sheets are going to be huge. I mean, you're, mm. you stay up in the Premier League after getting promoted from the championship with points. And guess what? For you Americans out there, draws are a point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be huge this year. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> um, uh, I had Fulham staying up over them, and because I'm stubborn, I'll stick with my pick. Because I have to. They can I both stay up. Like I said, they could but then. So, but then people talk about Brentford. I think Brentford's pretty solid too. So Steve. I don't know. I, I got Fulham over Nottingham Forest. If that's any way to answer it. Uh, okay. We're doing it. We're doing it. Um, all right. Well, that's some transfer updates uh, from around the premier league and a little bit. Actually, Hey, one more, Steven, uh, big news from Tottenham. It's not official, but uh, Tangy Nambele linked to Napoli on a move. Uh, up to release or an optional buy clause of thirty million, not too bad, huh? Some dead weight that you want. Really, I I yeah. was even looking before filming that um, Villarreal was uh, thinking about double dipping and taking on Indembele and Lo Celso. But that's might, that's it, great too. It's not Tottenham. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so maybe uh, loan with option to buy for thirty million to Napoli. Is what I've seen. Uh, <laughs> Crazy, crazy things happen at Spez. And the last thing, as we wrapped up across the pond, back to MLS, we had the MLS Fast Five this past weekend. We started out with Cincinnati and Atlanta. That one finished 2-2. I had that one. Brandon and Steven both didn't. Uh, Vasquez, he scored again. Just so good. Amada had a banger. And then Gutman coming in late, once again, back-to-back games to equalize for Atlanta. Um, Philadelphia, Chicago, that was 4-1 and in favor of Union, I had one nil. Brand new had three nil. Steven had a one one draw. Um, so, where well, we get the we get one point for getting uh, <laughs> the result, but maybe not the score right. And Miami NYCFC, I had a one one draw. Brand two one. Steven one two loss. Brandon gets a point for getting the win for Miami. LA Galaxy Vancouver, that was five two high scoring affair for the Galaxy. Um, that one pushes MLS, them up to six in the West. Um, Diego Costa, what's he doing in Galaxy? Is he really even on the team anymore? Um, hard to say. I had Galaxy win that one 2-0, Brandon as well. Steven, all three of us getting a win for the Galaxy. And then the last one in the Fast Five was New York Rebel versus Orlando. I had 2-2 draw. I said Gonzalo Higuain would score. I don't think he did because Orlando has zero goals. Uh, Brandon won that Actually, I, I misread that one. Uh, Orlando did win that win. game. Yeah, Orlando zero. won. That's all. Oh, I said that. That's oh. me. I said that. My bag. Okay. Editing okay. error. That's on me, y'all. <laughs> okay. Um, so that does move Orlando up to six, and that means they're four points ahead of Atlanta, who are in 13th. So, again, we've been reiterating the fact that the East is so tight um, with only, what, nine or ten games left? So 
Um, anything can happen out in the East, so keep your eyes peeled to that. Um, but guys, that's about going to wrap things up on the Bad Fan today. We had a ton of fun talking mostly about main use, troubles, the Chelsea-Tottenham affair, and a little bit more. But uh, loved having you on, Jacob, Steven, Brandon, and myself. Always fun to have the Bad Fan on together. Um, the quartet today, a special thing. Um, but yeah, support our coverage of things like the Premier League and other soccer news by becoming a Bad Fan subscribing to click in the bell below this video that way you're always notified to see new episodes like this one from us uh, leave it a like leave a comment what's your biggest overreaction so far uh what teams are going to get relegated or maybe what do you think of the man united drama are they going to stay up as well who knows um interact with us on twitter and instagram you can find us there with your biggest reactions and yeah i've been cole carter it's been steven it's been brandon and it's been jacob And we've all been together on the bad fan today. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, peace out.